Zakawani, the flying winger. Oh, goodness me! He doesn't mean anybody, Steve Zakawani! Steve Zakawani was never fun <laughs> to stick up against. Was it for Zakawani? None of this is possible. It's Steve! It's Steve! <laughs> this is so weird. Steve Zakawani! What's up, everyone? Welcome another episode of Winging It with Zakawani. It's been a while. We've been busy. We've been traveling. So there's a couple of games to look back on. One good, one not so good. Of course, we're previewing the upcoming game this weekend against the Chicago Fire. Um, the World Cup, we're in the midst of it now. We're rolling. We can talk about that a little bit. Both Sounders reps have played now in the World Cup. One got a great result. One didn't get a great result, but that was probably also expected. Um, and then, of course, we'll hit a couple of your questions. Thanks for your patience. Um, we'll try, of course, as always, to be more consistent, but sometimes just with the schedule and the way things work out, um, we kind of, we're at the mercy of MLS and we have to wait. DC United, we haven't talked about that. Um, that was a good win. And the reason I say it was a good win is because it was a come-from-behind win that reminded me in a lot of ways that this team does have some quality. Um, there's been a couple of times this year when a team has gone behind. I'm thinking primarily of the home games. Raw Salt Lake at home, yes. Both times when the team went behind, I didn't think the team would come back. And then watching the team trying to come back, there wasn't really any chances created. It was very predictable. You could hear the moans and groans from, from the stands. It wasn't a Sounders kind of onslaught trying to get that goal. The DC game, it felt like the Sounders of old in years past, where when a team scores at CenturyLink Field or Quest Field back in the day, um, well, we're coming. Like, we're trying to get that goal back ASAP. Like, we're going to try to make that up. And there were chances being created. There was purposeful movement. There was a lot happening. And then, of course, Nico got that great goal um, to get the ball rolling and after that, you could just sense that the team was going to find a way to win the game. And then a great ball by Christian. It found Wolf, and he opened his Rave Green account, and it was a great win. The positives, of course, was Nico's return, because you never know what kind of mindset he was going to be in. You know, I can't imagine the disappointment of being cut from the World Cup squad at that stage. If you're not called in preliminarily, then you're fine. There's no issues there. Um, but he was part of 26, I think, and 23 goal and three get cut. I know he'd be dealing with an injury. Don't know how much that played into it. I really don't know. I've not talked to him. So um, to come back, you know, some players, it would take a while. You might mope around, find it very difficult um, to motivate yourself. But I think he's cut from a different cloth. He came in very, very motivated, ready to go, and was fantastic, fantastic. And I like him in a deeper role, man. I like Nico in a deeper role. We've seen him as a playmaker, the number 10, and... Now he started in that 4-2-3-1 as part of the two rather than the three, and he was great. Just from a deeper spot, he separates himself from Clint Dempsey and Victor Rodriguez just geographically on the pitch. They're not as much in the same spots. Nico can pick the ball up facing the back four or the defensive mids, run at them, play a couple of one-twos, try and make that killer pass that he does as well as anyone in this league. He looks for it so much. So I thought that was good, and I think going forward we'll see that. Even when it's Osvaldo, Alonso, and Christian Rodon, um, side by side, Nico, I think now is more comfortable coming deeper away from the goal to pick the ball up, even if he starts on the right of the three 
um, man attacking group or even centrally. He'll come deeper to find the ball and try to play those passes. I think that's great. Victor Rodriguez, fantastic player. There's some things in this league or in this sport, in this world, you can't control and want, uh, replace, and one of them is quality. If you lose a quality player like Victor Rodriguez, you can plug someone else in, but if they're not Victor Rodriguez, then you're not going to get that quality. And I think with him coming back against DC, it just elevated what the attacking group could do. It's different options. He, he's not like an out-and-out, flat-out winger burning you with speed, but he does have that quick little change of pace. He wants to go out, guys. He's direct, um, very clever passer, combines very well with Clint Dempsey and Nico Ladero and Christian Rodan and Will Bruin as well, Alonso with everybody. He's a tiki-taka, Spanish, typical player, and he helps his team. He has quality, and you saw that against DC. So I think the sound is you can maybe see what this team could have been so far this year. Maybe not the best team in the West or in the league running away with the supporter shield, but definitely a lot better than where they've been, not shut out eight or nine times, whatever it's been. I think Seattle would have been higher if the likes of Victor, Nico, Ozzy, Roman at times, just the whole core. Jordan Morris, of course, had been ready to play from day one. So you can't discount the injuries. No excuses. Hasn't been good. But you can now see some semblance of the identity and the form that this team can potentially do. And they make Clint Dempsey better. Clint is happy when there's quality players around him. And I feel against DC was his best game of the season. His most active game. He looked engaged. He looked motivated. Um, he felt like I've got people I want to play with. They play my style. And we saw glimpses of the Clint of old. Contrast that with just a few days later in New York. And there's not much to say about that game. New York was just better. And even at the start of the season, you could, could have probably said, this is a game that if we get something from it, we'll be very happy. But it's going to be tough to get something from it. BWP, Brady Wright Phillips, arguably the best number nine in league history, just in terms of movement, what he does inside the box. He puts so much pressure on defenders, never stops running. Every time the ball is with midfielders, he's making a run into the channels in behind. You have to be so active. And I think Kim maybe suffered from never having played him before. You can watch the film. It's a different experience trying to play against that guy. Chad Marshall has seen it. A few of the other guys have seen it, knew what to expect. But the movement's just so good. I think since 2010, they may have the best record in the league at home. I've been told this year they've been fantastic at home. They are absolutely killing teams. They had a great run in the Champions League. It's a good team. There's no shame in losing to that team. And with the kind of season that Seattle's had, going away from home three days after that DC game, we had to come from behind and dig really deep was going to be a tough ask with Osvaldo on a minutes restriction, Clint coming off the bench, Victor playing you know, two games now in three or four days after the injury he's coming off, the layoff he's coming off. It was going to be tough. But we have another game this weekend, Seattle against the Chicago Fire. The plan for Seattle at this point, you win your home games. Seattle wins their home games, the majority of them, they'll probably likely be in the playoffs because the league evens out. The teams who've been winning, 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 winning out, they're going to have bad runs of form too. I like to think Seattle's had their bad run and now it's going to be the other teams having their bad run. So win your home game. You have to, have to win your home game. Chicago Fire coming here. You've got to get the victory um, in that game. It's a must win. You can't keep leaving points on the board at home because you're going to go away from home. You're going to lose a couple here and there. You might get a point. You might get a win, but you win your home games. You take care of business. Starting with Chicago Fire this weekend. There's Portland coming up, of course. Because then Seattle has a few tough ones on the road during the month of July. You have to win your home games. If they do that, then it's six points from a possible nine in the last three games. That's 
a change of fortune. That's heading in the right direction. I expect to see Clint play better again um, in this home game coming up. I expect to see Nico, Victor, Ozzy on the pitch. The buzz around here, you know, with um, getting all those guys back, with the, uh, the potential of adding new players. I think it's great time now to see this is what we could have been. Can we now um, become that for the Sounders? So, it hasn't been a great season, but I feel that Seattle now is poised to make some kind of run. I'll touch on what kind of run they need to make in a little bit, but I did want to answer a couple of questions. This one I've got a lot, so I will just answer it as honestly as I can. It says, Steve, is it time to be worried about Clint? I know injuries to his supporting cast have played a role, but he hasn't done much of anything since last season. I think the last person I'll worry about is Clint Dempsey. And I say that because I've seen too much and I fully do expect him to be better in the second phase slash second half of the season that's about to come up soon. Um, simply because Clint at this stage, he's 35, you know, we, we say father times undefeated and there's a reason you say that. His body isn't what it once was. He does need help from the players around him and he wants to play with quality. Clint's not threatened by other great players. He welcomes them. He wants them to come. And when Victor came back, Clint had a smile on his face. With Nico back now, Clint has a smile on his face. And I think with those guys coming back, a potential new signing coming in, that's only going to make Clint better. He doesn't have to do as much. He can get on the end of things. Kind of what BWP does. And on a more grand scale, what we've seen Ronaldo do in the last two years, where he's changed his game. He's not a flying winger, doesn't care about beating people. He's a number nine, getting on the end of things. And Clint has goal-scoring ability as good as any player to ever come out of this side of the Atlantic. So there's still so much to give. Don't expect to see 2014 Supporter Shield winning Clint Dempsey. Don't expect to see 2014 World Cup Clint Dempsey. That's not him, but still a very fantastic player who, if surrounded by other good players who are on form, will find his best form. Much more to come on Winging It with Zakwani. I will be joined by former teammate, friend, former roommate on the road, Patrick Iani. Um, no stranger to the Sounders FC community. We'll have a little bit of a chat with him. And we'll also come back and answer a couple more of your questions. We've got a big three things. And there's a lot to talk about. There's the World Cup. There's Landon Donovan. There's a few more things there. We'll be right back on Winging It with Zakwani. centre-half, Patrick Iani is up. Rosales ball in. What a goal that is! It is Patrick Iani! A special shot restored to the starting lineup after injury. And what an impact he's made there! And not only can the Sounders take advantage of one of these set-pieces, Patrick Iani with the spectacular... He has, against his old team Houston a few years ago, it was an overhead kick. This time it's a flying side volley. Welcome back, Patrick Ayani, to the first team. What a strike. I'm here, I'm Steve Zakwani, and I'm joined by my first phone guest slash interview ever. We normally have them in studio, but I make exceptions for people I like, and I like this guy. Um, he was my roommate for a lot of my career. Uh, when I play for the Sounders, he has one of the Sounders' 
best goals in history till this day. It's just a crazy goal. And he's a guy who's no stranger to the MLS community, the Seattle Sounders community. I'm joined by my good friend, former MLS player, Patrick Iani. Pat, how are you doing? I'm fantastic. Thanks for having me, Steve. Of course, man. Um, let's talk. My first question to you. Did you really play in a U.S. Open Cup game recently? <laughs> I did. I think a lot of people are uh, find that, finding that hard to believe. Three and a half years out of MLS. Um, there's a team down here that just won't let me retire. Um, and I am having as much fun as ever. Probably more fun even than I, I used to have playing the game. So, Okay. A couple of questions on that. Number one, what were you thinking? And number two, how did your body hold up? What was I thinking? Um, <laughs> in terms of playing, I was just thinking, um, well, um, I can make a little bit of money for my family, uh-huh. and I can um, I can play with um, I can play the game. First of all, just plain and simple. Right. Um, I still enjoy doing, and then um, yeah, and I can play with some guys. There's the um, group of guys that uh, OCFC is. Um, is you know some college players and guys that are just out of college um, that are still wanting to play, and um, I think um, I can help them in some ways in regards to you know these guys are are fitter than I am, so they can help me get fitter, but I can help right. them with some of the other aspects of the game. So right, right. Um, how 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 did the game go itself? Um, it went well. Um, the uh, present team was was strong um, and. Uh, the toughest competition I think that this the guys from OCFC had faced um, and yet uh, we had opportunities to win the game um, that didn't quite put away and we ended up losing in overtime 2-0 um, um, yeah so a new OCFC or a new, new Fresno USL team that was uh, coached by Robert Earnshaw and, um, and uh, GM was Frank Gallup so wow. fun to see some old MLS faces um, yeah. Nice. Um, you either re- know this and have it circled in your calendar or you don't know it at all. But you know what this week is? It's the, I forget, I think six-year anniversary, maybe yeah, uh-huh. six-year anniversary of your goal against Sporting Kansas City. Remember, is it? Do you know that? Oh, I did not know that. I actually thought you were, it was going to be your, your injury, but then I, I, I think I'm still back in April in my mind or, yeah. or, or March. <laughs> yeah, that's April. <laughs> No, this week is that yeah. goal. So, first of all, let's talk about that goal. Talk us through it. Because I don't think I've even asked you just, like, you know, what made you do that? Like, and, you know, could you pull it off again? And just how ridiculous was that goal? Well, first off, um, thank you for keeping the legend alive. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, but, no, seriously, uh, I think it was one of those ones that's funny because um, about six weeks prior to that goal, I had not um, – or I guess eight weeks, maybe I hadn't played in a game. Um, I, and the, the, the hilarious and ironic thing, and I think this is the first time I'm telling this story is I, um, I went, I reached over to grab a water bottle, uh, at practice out at Starfire and I, something happened to my back. Um, mm-hmm. and so, and literally reaching over, bending over, um, something that I hope to be able to do at six years old. I'm, right. I, I was, it put me out for six to eight weeks. And then, you know, I come back I, after that, I come back and, 
it's somehow um, my body's able to to jump in the air and kick a ball and land, you know, on my back, and I'm totally fine. I get up, and I think the adrenaline still hasn't worn off from it. <laughs> um, six years later, uh, I think I I think I still feel you every morning, you know, giving me a hug um, and trying oh, to calm man. me down. So, oh, man. but uh, who 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 crossed that ball? Was it Mauro Rosales? Yeah, it was yeah, Mauro. Mauro. Yeah. I, I remember yeah. that game because that was my first time on the bench since my injury. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. Because I, <laughs> yeah, I actually my, my 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 picture on my business card is me pointing. That to was your you. ce- your celebration. You pointed me on the bench. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, 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 I was pointing you just laughing. Because I, I hadn't uh, played, and then Ziggy's like, "We'll put you on the bench." And in the first ten minutes, there was like six tackles. I'm like, "Okay, I'm definitely not coming on today." Like, <laughs> there's no way. Like, Kansas is the most physical team. This was a bad idea. Um, so then I knew I wouldn't play so I just watched the game and then you go and do that goal um, you did also score not, not as great but a goal like that against Houston uh, my rookie year the inaugural year do you remember that one? I do remember that one I, I remember most specifically you um, you holding me I was <laughs> as I was totally freaking out and you're like Pat Pat <laughs> it's not a dream <laughs> During the game? Uh, no, yeah, right after I scored, I, I I got up and and just turned into an absolute monster. And just started running around, trying not knowing what happened. And uh, and uh, you, I remember just I just remember I have the video in my head where you're just holding you and Nate Jacob are holding on to me and being like, hey, hey, you're you're still alive. <laughs> I was so excited. That's amazing. Oh, um, let's backtrack a bit. So when you look back on your career now, you're on the other side of it, um, as am I. Like, obviously, these goals and stuff are great, but what are, like, some career highlights you look back on? I mean, I'm thinking the Olympics, obviously, was a great experience um, representing your country, of course, but, you know, you, you were part of that special group we had in Seattle in those early years. What are some of the things you kind of think about in your own time when you're like, oh, that was really cool to experience? Yeah, um, I think at the top of the list is the opening ceremonies at the, at the, um, at the Olympics. Yeah. Um, which year, which one was it? Those. Which Olympics was it? 2008 Beijing, Beijing okay. and so so uh yeah i mean yeah just the everything i mean i don't know if every single country is there but but just about um or so many countries i guess um yeah. and just to see the the diversity in in um that was there all in one place all smiling all experiencing joy is such a rare thing right um and so, yeah, I think that will, um, yeah, it's something that inspires me to this day. Not, not so much all the athleticism that's there, but just this, the community feeling. Uh, so that was really amazing. Um, certainly the beginning of the Founders uh, was incredible. Um, mm-hmm. I think um, being, uh, being, you know, feeling the, the sense of, of excitement around that first game um once we once we moved into the stadium because i don't think we we could have ever known um that seattle was was craving that until the first game you know in that way so and then um yeah i'm trying to think of others um but those two are are definitely um at the top of it for sure yeah um you were part of the if i'm wrong correct me the u20s was it 2005 yeah. Did you, yeah, that's actually another. Did you play in that game against Messi or no? I did. Yeah, I played ninety minutes at center back, and um, 
I, was, you, you, I started you, with you the, won, yeah. Yeah, we won one nothing. Um, and Messi, Messi, thankfully, only played the second half. They <laughs> um, they qualified without him, <laughs> and so they thought, well, we'll be all right. He was already playing for Barcelona, uh, and uh, in the first team, and so he came in at, at halftime and uh, was an absolute <laughs> terror. You can ask uh, Benny Fellhaber how he feels about Messi. Uh, and and Mar- I think it was Mar- Marvell when yeah. Caleb, uh, I mean, not Caleb, uh, uh, Sergis, Nathan Sergis, Caleb's yeah. his brother. Yeah. Nate Sergis and then uh, Hunter Freeman, I think, was the left back. And we just kept running backwards towards our goal <laughs> and, and, letting, and letting our midfield deal with him. Uh, but yeah, it was incredible. He's, he's so special. So that's that's another great experience. Um, what have you been up to since retirement? Um, man, um, a lot, and sometimes it feels like not much at all. Um, mm-hmm. I started, I got in the banking world of all things, um, mortgage banking world for for ten months, and uh, after yeah. in 2015, uh, and then um, yeah, I tried to help you out with a loan for your I house. Remember, <laughs> I, I remember, I, I still I still receive your marketing emails. I need to answer. I know. <laughs> Great. Those are still going out. Perfect. <laughs> oh man, I just I left everything on my desk and ran out of that job. So uh, they're still they're still emailing. If you get emails, I apologize. But um, yeah. So uh, that uh, and I and I coached a, a club team down here um, during that same that same year, the end of like I guess in the 2015, and then um, I kind of put everything on pause and did some some therapy work, um, therapeutic work and, and kind of traveled around and kind of was digging into, um, getting some help, honestly, on where, how I had, how I had turned, um, my life into some sort of fight, so to speak, um, where I was trying to figure, you know, I didn't know, and I didn't really, I was quite lost. Um, and so, yeah, I got some help. And then, uh, from that standpoint, which that's a really, um, fun thing to talk about, but we'll save that for right now. Right. Um, but then I went to, um, I started a, a, a company doing private and small group and team soccer trainings, um, with a therapeutic element involved. Nice. Um, because in my opinion, that was, um, or from my experience, that was something that was massively needed when I was growing up. And, um, and I, and I, uh, think it's still massively needed today. So, um, yeah, I wrote a book or a couple books um, as well um, over the last year. Uh, one is a, a therapeutic guidebook for parents, and one is a therapeutic guidebook for or the other one's a therapeutic guidebook for coaches mm-hmm. um, in the soccer world. Um, and so, yeah, doing that now. And um, had uh, since retiring, I had my son. Um, my, right. We had our daughter up in Seattle, yeah. Emmy. Um, who is turning six this summer, and then my son is turning three uh, in next month. Nice. So, yeah, we're living down in Newport Beach, California, and, yeah. Amazing. Now, you bring up great points. Obviously, the transition from playing to retirement can be very tough. So I think um, you know, I'm obviously aware of that book. Um, I skimmed through it. You sent it to me. I think it's great, great work. And you'll be up here in less than two weeks now, actually, um, for the, well, the Sounders Timbers game but also the Zakwani and French charity game. I have a couple more questions for you. One, when I remember playing with you, I remember thinking to myself, like, what is wrong with this guy? He goes so hard in the gym. Like, he used to go crazy in the gym. Like, he enjoys weightlifting and smiling as he's doing a bench press. I didn't understand it. Um, Do you still work out like that? 
or since playing, is it just not you know something that you need to do anymore? Where you because you were crazy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, um, I I love your perspective on that. You will <laughs> forever make me laugh um, when you talk about how how meaty I could be. Um, and I I tried to hide that meatiness so much, but you know, by the time I realized I was a meathead in college, and then coming to the pros, I was like, I didn't want to get made fun of it for it anymore. So I tried to hide it and I thought I did a pretty good job, but, um, <laughs> apparently it just, it just is coming off of me. Um, so, uh, no, I am not working out like that anymore. Occasionally I will. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, but for the most part, I'm just playing a little soccer and, um, yeah, just, that's about it. I'm playing a little soccer still and, and, uh, that's, yeah. That's about it. How much do you follow MLS and more specifically the Sounders? Like how I mean, we talk from time to time about the team and our thoughts and things like that. So, how closely have you have you followed the season closely? Yeah, I mean, I I I, um, I don't watch um, all the games, right. but I do certainly check in on all the games on the weekend and and a lot of times watch the highlights and um, yeah. So I'm I'm watching the league for sure. Um, I can tell you. Uh, a kind of a general overview of every team that's but that's about it you know i'm starting to lose you know got about 50 percent or less than that actually now of guys that are are still playing on teams it's funny how much three or four years changes yeah. um yeah most so of the mo- most of the guys years. we played against are coaching that's what i was, was i think we spoke about it recently yeah. ben olson greg bellhalter yeah. jesse marsh um yeah these guys we were playing against um chris leach who was down at san jose recently like we were playing against those guys so that's different um when you watch these games you have a favorite sideline analyst or not really? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Mr. Steve Sakawani. <laughs> yeah, dude, I love it, man. I oh, love man. watching you. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's so fun. And you're, and you're so good. And you're so right on. I would say that to anyone. Yeah. I try. Well, Pat, always a pleasure, man. And, you know, you'll be up here. Maybe we'll get you in studio when you're up here. If we can, if we have the time, I'm not sure, like to co-host a segment or something, um, get the band back together. But um, it was a pleasure right playing with you. Pleasure. Some of those road trips we had was just amazing. Uh, excited to see you in a couple of weeks for the Zach Wani and Friends game. I'm glad you're in a good space. And I know the Seattle community um, enjoys hearing from you and will even more enjoy seeing you in person. And since... You've been training and playing. You should be the fittest player on the pitch, so we'll see. Yeah, I can't wait to get up there. If you come out to the game, I'll give you a free therapy session after the game. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) So I look forward to being up there, Steve. Thanks for having me, and uh, I'll see you soon. Hey, everyone. Hope you're enjoying the World Cup. I'm uh, keeping uh, up with all the games here in Portugal. I'm still representing the Sounders ahead of... uh, Saturday's game, I'll be back for that against Chicago Fire. But before then, I wanted to talk about the World Cup and, and what I thought of it so far. Uh, for me, the best game, not just because I'm here in Portugal, was the, the Portugal-Spain game 3-3. I think it had absolutely everything. Spain were superb at times, big goalkeeping mistake, and it also had just an incredible performance from Cristiano Ronaldo. We're so used to seeing it, but every time you watch it and see another performance like that, you just become dumbfounded. So that, for me, was the, the best game of the tournament so far. And we're back right here and winging it with Zach Wani. Um, want to thank Patrick Iani again for joining me on the podcast. Always fun catching up with old teammates. And, of course, you'll be seeing Patrick Iani up here in Seattle very soon. 
at the Zakwanian Friends Charity Game. Tickets are kh18.eventbrite.com or if you're anywhere near my Instagram or Twitter, you'll see it. But um, that game will be fun. We'll talk a little bit more about that before we go. Another question right here. And this one, a few have asked it over the weeks and someone just asked it um, today just right now. And it's, you know, in a really bad season, which player on the squad has impressed you the most? I mean, there's a few names. I think Stefan Fry's had a good season. The whole defensive group, Chad Marshall, it should be in the running for Defender of the Year again. Um, I played against Chad, like, in 2010, 2011, and he's the same. He's so... Good, so reliable, fantastic timing. He's not slowing down anytime soon. I would say, though, Kim Kee-hee, because I didn't know what we're going to get. I didn't know how he's going to be. I fought against DC United. He was the best player on the pitch. Um, his defending, his timing, you know, he surprised me how he can run into the channels and chase quick players. Um, maybe overly aggressive, because he really wants to win the ball, but I'd rather that than the opposite. Uh, having no bite to his game. So I think he's been a fantastic signing. Defensively, Seattle's in the top three, top five, you know, goals conceded, but it's just been overshadowed by lack of results. So I think when we look back, we're going to realize that, you know, Roman Torres is a big personality and he's gone and we haven't really missed a beat and that's credit to Kim Kihi being able to step in and fill in. The big three things. Number one, a run. Seattle need a run. We know that. The question is, what kind of run do you need? I think in years past in MLS, you know, I, I always put the Galaxy as the model because they would always, it seemed that they did it on purpose. They would just start really slow. Beckham wouldn't be engaged. Landon would take plays off. Robbie Keane wouldn't really be that interested. And then July would hit, August would hit, and they'd go on a tear. They'd win, you'd Eight Galaxy on an eight-game winning streak or a six-game winning streak, and they were killing teams. And those big three in particular got the guys going. You'd see Robbie Keane tracking back. You'd see Landon with a goal or assist every game. Um, David was getting stuck in. So I don't think Seattle needs a monster run. I think Seattle needs a couple of good runs rather than one big one. It's going to be tough to do a massive run. with The, the league's gotten better. The quality's going to be tough to pull off those results. There's, some tough away games still coming up. But if Seattle, we say, you know, have an eight-game unbeaten run, four wins, four draws, five wins, three draws, climbing up the table. Lose a couple games, then go on a six-game unbeaten run. Three wins, three draws. You get, you string a couple of those together, you'll be surprised how quickly you do climb up the table. And as much as I hate the MLS system, it works for Seattle this year. You're not trying to come first. You're trying to come sixth in your conference only. That's very much within reach. Because once you get in the playoffs, anything can happen. Number two, a lot of people asked um, my feelings on, you know, Landon Donovan. Um, if you've been under a rock and missed it this weekend, Landon Donovan came out and um, asked us, the people, US fans, to support the arch rival, Mexico, during the World Cup since the US hadn't made it. And there was obviously a lot of strong feelings towards him. Some positive, people agreed with him. Some not so positive. Um, on the not so positive side, our very own Herc Gomez, you know, he had some words. Um, Carlos Bocanegra had some words. You know, and then initially Landon had doubled down. So there was a whole lot going on there. And I don't have much thoughts on it. What I will say is this. For me, I grew up in England where this sport is so 
in our blood like nothing else. It's stronger than a religion in England. It is the number one thing that unites that country when our team's in the World Cup. It just means so much. Could I envision one of our legends, David Beckham, John Barnes? It doesn't matter who. Alan Shearer, Paul Gascoigne saying to us, hey, we didn't make the World Cup, but we should support Scotland since they're from our region. We want our region to do well. Absolutely not. You want Scotland to do very badly, lose every game 3-0 and come home right away. That's sort of the mentality and approach. In saying that, if Landon had been on his couch, recorded a video on Instagram and just said, hey, I'm just here thinking out loud, we should support Mexico, I'd be like, that's fine. If he wants to do that, you don't have to go with him. I think what complicated it was that it was a marketing campaign and you know, he was paid to do it. So that, that took away maybe the, from the message. Um, had it just been him not being paid to do it, just chilling with his kid or something, saying, watching the World Cup, we want someone to root for. I have so much respect for the Mexican people. I've just played in the Mexican league. I grew up around great Mexican players. They helped me play how I play. And I want them to do well. I think that's fine. The marketing aspects of it with the Wells Fargo um, diluted the message. But in saying that also, I do know Landon very well. I do talk to Landon and very genuine guy. Very, his intentions, of course, were genuine. I never questioned that. Just the execution may have been questionable, um, considering how people still feel about the U.S. not making the World Cup. Number three, the World Cup. Let's talk about the World Cup. My thoughts so far. Strange is what I would say. Normally in the World Cup, the big teams come to play. One might let you down and surprise you, but the big teams come to play. And of the big teams so far, I thought Spain played fantastically well. So they won the letdown. Spain played well. They moved the ball. I love watching Iniesta. Who doesn't? Um, they were great. And they were just matched by the monster from Portugal. It's someone who's 33 years old, plays like he's 18, and has an ego and confidence and ability to match it. And he's so special to watch. Somehow in big moments, he always shows up. So, so far, this World Cup belongs to Cristiano Ronaldo until someone else comes and knocks him off that perch. But those two teams were fine. Argentina, disappointing. Brazil, disappointing. France, disappointing. Germany, disappointing. That's a long list. And the world, you get three games. It's not six games like the Champions League group stage. It's three games. You have to get it right, right away. And those teams didn't. And Argentina is going to have a struggle because Croatia is not an easy game for them coming up. Germany, I think, should be fine, but that's not an easy group with South Korea and Sweden. And Sweden's got confidence now. So we might see a few big teams heading home sooner than we may have expected. I do think Brazil will be okay. They were fine in the first 20 minutes, and then I felt Neymar got kicked out of the game, and it affected him. And without him having his mojo, um, the team suffered a bit there. Mexico was, was impressive, speaking of Mexico. They didn't hang on or pray for their life against Germany. They tactically outclassed them in the first 20, 30 minutes. Should have been 2-0 up probably at halftime. And... Worthy winners, deserved winners. Seattle representatives, Gustav, congrats to them. Great win, great win. South Korea is not an easy team. Fantastic win for the Swedes. Tough team to play against. They're the kind of team that's going to win 1-0 more often than not when they do win. Great result for them. And then I thought Panama did well. I've joked, you know, Panama is going to keep the engines running and come home. It's just jokes because, no, they actually, actually want them to do well. I want Roman to do well. And... They played well until that first goal. Once that bomb went in, oh, then it was curtains. It was over. And then Lukaku 
that's the difference. You know, very rarely do you see someone get the best of Roman so easily almost. And Lukaku made it look that way. He's a world-class player at Manchester United. So um, no surprise there. So that end up going to plan. But Panama should take confidence from that. Um, Belgium's probably the best team they're going to play. I say that even as an England fan. So we'll see how they fare in the next couple games coming up. Always feel free, interact on Twitter, hashtag AskZach. Always appreciate the questions coming in. Big game for the Sounders this weekend. There are must-win games in June, and this is one of them, especially your home games when you're trying to climb out of a hole. We'll be back next week. We have the Zakwanian French charity game coming up, and one of the great things that allows us to do is to bring on some guests in person, in studio, guys who'll be playing in the game. So look out for some special edition podcast interviews with some of the guys who'll be here in town, kh18.eventbrite.com for tickets. Go Sounders. Hopefully three points will be celebrating on next week's podcast. I'm Steve Zakwani, and this has been Winging It with Zakwani.